I wanted today to connect with last week. Last week was about Vashti and my thesis, <laughs> a Jungian thesis of course, was that Vashti uh, had to be employed by Esther for Esther to take her power. Vatilokach Esther, she was taken, she's passive, passive until that turning point. Uh, where she looks in the mirror and realizes that the things she'd been avoiding the whole time, those character assets of Vashti, would have to be somehow integrated, or as Jung say, individuated, uh, that Vashti turns out to be her doppelganger, to be her dark side, and once she incorporates it, then she takes back that power. Ah, there should be a special bracha for coffee and it should be Mechaye HaMesim, not Shehakel. Today I want to talk about Esther and again to talk about Esther in relationship uh, to Mordechai because it's in our relationships that uh, we find ourselves. And so today is entitled Esther versus Mordechai's vision. Comparing and contrasting the vision and character of Esther and Mordechai. And we're going to go right to the end of the Megillah, actually. Actually. So, Ki Mordechai HaYehudi Mishneh Lamelech HaChashverosh V'Godl HaYehudim this is right at the end. There are three places in the Megillah that we say aloud. The beginning, Ish Yehudi, B'Shem Mordechai. In the middle, the turning point, when Haman rides him on a sus, and Mordechai was uh, riding that sus. And then at the end, we say it out loud, and in your Chumash it's in dark, black, bold fonts. So it frames the whole of the Book of Esther. Overtly, it looks like it should be called the Book of Mordechai, because it frames it. Esther's hidden, she's passive. Ki Mordechai ha-Yehudi Mishnah And so we would have thought... Uh, that this is all good. But now look at this, this word here. V'rotsui l'rov echov. And the Gemara in Megillah says, rov echov v'lo l'kol echov. What? The Gemara is picking up on rov echov. It means the multitudes, the brothers. No, no, no. Rove is a technical halachic term. Rove and korov. Rove means the majority. And if I can quote to you the Gemara, which is an astounding Gemara. Omarav Yosef. Melamit shepirshu mimenu mitzah sanhedrin. What's he doing with the Sanhedrin? Oh, I want you to write the Sefer of Esther, the Yemei Purim, that every year uh, that we should have this celebration. It should be a Yontif. A Yontif. 
Mordechai goes to the Sanhedrin. Rovechov. Melamed shepirushumi menu mixa Sanhedrin. Some members of the Sanhedrin pirushumi menu parted from him, parted from his ways, didn't agree with him. Why? Rashi says, Lefi shebitel midivrei Torah v'nichnes l'shrora. He was a mavatel Torah. Why? Mishneh lemelech. He became Mishneh lemelech. He was a viceroy. He became Pence. He spent his time in Washington instead of the base Medrash, instead of in Lakewood. And the Sanhedrin critiqued him for that, according to Rashi. Lefi Shebitel Midivrei Torah, the Nichnes Lishrara. He entered government. <laughs> Look at that criticism. At the end of the day, the Jews were saved. And maybe he felt he needed to be the viceroy to keep them saved. To keep things under wraps. He realized Achashverosh was, as we said in high school, not a bad king and not a good king. He was just a silly king. That's what I was taught in school. Very petulant, impetuous, responding to the last thing that someone told him. Like our former president. And the Sanhedrin had a problem with him. Rotsui Lerov. To be Maratze to the Rovecho. He was acceptable to the most of them. The Lola Kolecho, not to all of them. Sanhedrin because he had given up on learning. I would like to suggest that both possibilities are right. Bitel midivrei Torah, the nichnas l'shrora. Yeah, okay. Sometimes people have to get into government for the sake of Eden, to save us. So I think the deeper explanation might be that Rashi's comment is not that she she he was mevatel milimud Torah. Rashi says, Lefishen Bitel Midivre Torah. I haven't seen this anywhere else, so this is my knech. <laughs> you can reject it immediately. What I'd like to suggest is that Rashi was saying that the reason he came out of favor was that his heart, Midivre Torah, the, the devarim of Torah didn't come spouting out of his mouth. Okay, he had to be in government. He didn't have time to learn. But where was his heart? I think that the reason that it may be, according to Rashi, that he wasn't Ratsui to the whole of the Sanhedrin was because his heart was no longer in the Dibre Torah. And that's the problem. Yes, you may be stuck in medicine. <laughs> 16 hours a day and you don't have time. Question is, where's your heart? You're an engineer, you're a physician, you're this and that. I think the important thing is where the heart is. So that's how I interpret that Rashi. Nevertheless, we're told by the rabbis of the Babylonian Talmud, which is the closest to Persia, that he wasn't Makubal to everybody. All right, now let's go to, let's go on the other hand to Esther.
because she also comes to Chazal. And before I do that, I want to go back to that moment when she becomes transformed. Vayehi bayom hashlishi. So here, Vayehi bayom hashlishi, that's the chapter 5, verse 1. Vatilbash Esther Malchus, Vatamod Bechatsa Beis HaMelech HaPnimis. She takes her life into her own hand. She is not invited. She knows that uh, she could be killed. Nochach Beis HaMelech, Vahamelech Yoshev Alkisei Malchus, Beis HaMelech Nochach Beis HaMelech. For he's standing in the inner courtyard, facing the door, facing the outer courtyard, and she can see her straight through. In the Chatzar Beit HaMelech. That Chatzar Beit HaMelech is the exact same Chatzar Beit HaMelech. The king was awakened by his dreams. And who was in the Chatzar Beit HaMelech? Homon. He couldn't wait for the next morning. He was already there with his request. And everything turns around that night. Instead of fulfilling his request to hang Mordechai on the gallows he'd made, he looks to, and he sees Homon in the Chatzah Beis HaMelech and he says, come here, let me, I owe a debt to some guy who saved my life from, from possible white supremacists. What do I do to a man like that? That is also Chatzah Beis HaMelech. So it's a very fraught place, this Chatzah Beis HaMelech. Now the Gomorrah says, Fatilbash Esther Malchus, that uh, she was clothed with the divine presence. Malchus, and they bring it from a Gomorrah, from another Posuk, Vatilbash Esther Malchus, and as she goes into the Chatzah Beis HaMelech, uh, we're told things happened. What happened? When she reached the chamber of the idols, which is the Chatzah Beis HaMelech, apparently there was a courtyard with idols along the way, the Shechina left her. And then she cries out. She cries out the following. The Gemara says, she stood at the inner court, Omar Rabbi Levi, once she reached the, the chamber of the idols, the divine presence left her. And what happened? She cries out because she, she no longer has that sense uh, that she will be protected. And she cries out and says something amazing. She says what? Eili, Eili, Lama Azavtani. You see that from Psalm 22. Let me... Let, let's let's just look at that psalm. Psalm isn't just any psalm. Lamanatseyach alayelet hashachar mizmoladovid for the leader on ayelet hashachar. What what does that mean? Ayelet hashachar is the dawn of the day. So Esther is compared to a dawn who gives birth in pain because it has a very narrow vaginal canal. Esther is considered the dawn because she's going to bring the geula. And the next verse is the verse she cries out to God in the Chatzar Beis HaMelech because the Divine Presence has left her. Keili, Keili, Loma Azavtani. 
My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Perhaps, the Gemara says, Shema Atta Dan al Shogeg Bemezit. Maybe you treat an inadvertent offense like an intentional offense? Va'al ones karotzon, an offense committed under coercion, like one committed willingly. It's an amazing statement. Esther was clothed with the divine spirit as she sets out on her mission to plead with Achashverosh. And the Gemara here relates that she reaches a chamber of idols on her way to the king, and the divine presence departs from her. The, the, the verse we could go back and say then, if we, can, if, if we can just go back, and the way the Gemara is actually reading the verse, Malchus, Malchus means um, the Shechina, which is the divine spirit. What does it mean, Vatamod? I think that, that the Medrash is picking up the word Omeid. It could mean and she stopped, meaning Vatilba Eshter Malchas Vatamod. She was clothed with the divine spirit, Vatamod, but the divine spirit stopped. Bachatsi base Hamela Chapinimis. And Psalm 22 is replete with prophetic allusions to Esther, as the Marshal tells us, but also more importantly, the Medrash Tehillim, which is written in Eretz Israel. Remember, we've been talking about the Gomorrah, but now we are actually quoting from the Medrash Tehillim. Even though I'm apparently approaching Achafeyush on my own volition, this act is really committed under coercion, since I am compelled, according to Rashi, to go to Achashverosh to save the Jewish people. Now, this seemingly contradicts what we learned early in the Gemara, that she was forbidden to her husband Mordechai for having willfully engaged in relations with Achashverosh. That was already the Gemara in Megillah in, um, in 15a. So if she was compelled to approach Achashverosh for the sake of saving her people, why is that a, a, a voluntary act? And the Gomorrah goes in the shackle of Atario. Is it voluntary? Is it compelled? But this Psalm 22 um, is very interesting. I don't think that in Palestine in the 3rd century, quoting Psalm 22 is in a vacuum. There is someone else who cried out, on the crucifix, Kaili Kaili, Lama Zavachtani. Now, our text, the Masoretic text, is Kaili Kaili Lama Azavtani. Why have you forsaken me? But in the Greek Septuagint, and in Matthew and in the Gospels, Psalm 22 is mistranslated midrashically as Kaili Kaili Lama Zavachtani, why are you crucifying me? Okay, so this Midrash Tehillim is not in a vacuum. And for me, I think that Chazal in Palestine are actually looking for a, a figure about to go into Achashverosh on pain of death, and just like Oso Ha'ish, 
is also willing to sacrifice herself. Now, when Esther says, I'll go into the king, that Medrash in Tehillim says, the residents of the palace says, now he's going to be angry with her, just like with Vashti, and he's going to sentence her to death. And each and every one of them would say, I'll take her clothing, and this one, I'll take her ornaments, this one, I'll take her rings, this one said, I'll take her royal blue cloak. And when she saw this, she prayed, you are not far from me, from that same Tehillim, Oh, my strength, you help me. I think that this is a critical point. And the Midrashic use of Psalm 22 uh, is a turning point for her because at that moment, she's really surrendering. Lama Azavtani, Lama Zavachtani. I am nailed to the cross. She is nailed to her destiny because without the... Without the Ruach HaKodesh, without the Divine Presence, she keeps on walking into the house of the palace of Pharaoh. And that means that she has surrendered to her fate, to her Goral. Very nice. Now, I want to come back. And at the end of it all, the Gemara says, she too goes to Bastin and says, I want my, this scroll to be included in the canon of Hebrew literature. Chazal are very resistant. The various sources tell us that the rabbis relate to the question of both Esther and the Song of Songs because they lack the name of God. The Song of Songs, they get around by saying every time it says Shlomo, it's Misha HaShalom Sholo. That's God. <laughs> That's not Shlomo HaMelech. The allusion to God in Megillus Esther is much, much more fraught. They, they say that if it's Achashverosh, then that means the king, the earthly king. And when it just says Melech, it refers to the divine king. But the question is, they ask she says to them in the Gemara in Megillah, Kivuni Lodoros, establish me for all generations. She goes to Bastin, not Mordechai. Mordechai went to Bastin to say, I want a Yontuf every year. Esther's much more uh, involved in Kivuni Lodoros, meaning establish me for generations, a name, by establishing the name of the festival as Purim or the festival of Esther. And the second thing she says, Sholcholohem Esther lechachomim, Esther submitted to the chachomim, Kitvuni ledorot. Write me in for the generations. Write the story of the miracle of Purim for all generations. That the book of Esther be incorporated in the Tanakh. The Nicht of Basefer, it says in 932, eventually, it was written as a Sefer in the book, in the book of scriptures. You know, the Megillah is filled with surprising exchanges of the written notes and letters. In the opening chapter, the king sends letters to the Medina across the kingdom to punish Vashti. And later, Mordechai's life is spared because his act of saving the king was written the Book of Records. And as we end this, the Book of Esther, 
Esther and Mordechai send three different letters that save their people and establish Purim as a Jewish holiday. And the Megillah itself is considered an Igeret. We stand up. We, 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 we do it with haste so that we want to get to the end of the story. These are Minhagim that we accept. And we read it like a letter. Everyone should have their own scroll and open it and move it along. So what's the reason of placing so much emphasis on Ketiva, the letter, the written word of the book of Esther? And in, 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 in Bova in Basra, not in, in Megillah, in Bova Basra 15a, uh, the rabbis ascribe Megillus Esther to the Anche Knesset Agdola. The Great Assembly led the Jewish people at the beginning of the Second Temple era, at a time that saw the last of the major prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And so the Great Assembly instituted the Amida and canonized the 24 books of the Tanakh. So the written word saves Mordechai from Haman's ploys, saves the Jews from extinction, and immortalizes Purim for all time. It demonstrates the power of the written word. And Esther itself, who bravely enters the chamber of the king without permission, dictates how the Jewish people of Shushun should support her and foil evil's plot. And she co-authors with Mordechai the letter that saves her people and then writes her own letter, Bechtokef, with full authority to conform and establish the national holiday of Purim. The Megillah describes this letter as containing words of truth and peace. So, for me, the act of writing, escribe, the inscription, the inscription, by the way, Chazal say, how do I know that it has this Kedusha? Because it has to have the Sirtutim. The parchment has to be etched upon which you hang the letters that shows that it has a Kedusha. Only, only a mezuzah has that as well as the Sefer Torah. Those etchings, the Sirtutim. She's boldly etching herself, her authority, her story into the writing, into becoming an author. And she therefore wins her authority through her authorship. Kitvuni Ladoros, and they resist. Chazal resist her and say, we already have Shalchu, Halo Katavti Shalishim. They quote a posset from Mishle, I've already told you three times, I don't need to add a fourth. And so she has to argue with them. Zikaron Memorial. And there's a, a machlokas in the Tanoim, Kisvuzos, we are Ksoivzos, already after the Pasha Samole, God tells Moshe Rabbeinu, write it down. We already done all the writing with this business with Amolek and Homan. But at the end of the day, Kimu Vakiblu, it was a popularist uprising, not coming from down, the top down from Chazal. She evokes national pride and it therefore becomes a holiday through her moral authority through her writing now let's end up with what is the difference between Mordechai's vision of salvation and Esther's vision Esther invites Ahasuerus and Homan to her party her goal is to plead for the Jewish nation but Esther didn't ask for anything. 
at the first party. And it brings us back to the three points in which we read out aloud Mordechai. So you would think that it is Mordechai's book. Why do we call it Book of Esther? Stage one, and everything in red, we shout out aloud when we hear the Megillah, and it's in bold font in the Chumash, right? When you read it in the Megillah's Esther. In the fortress of Shushim lived a Jew by the name of Mordechai. That's the protagonist. Stage two, regal clothes symbolize, according to Gemara, the Ruach HaKodesh. Ah, Mordechai left the king's presence in royal robes of blue and white. And stage four, leadership. For Mordechai, the Jew ranked next to King Ahasuerus and was highly regarded. Those three statements in red represent Mordechai's vision. It's about power. It's about the throne and being close to power and therefore saving the Jews that way. Now, at Esther's first party, she didn't ask for anything. Her only request was to ask for Ahasuerus to come back the next day. The obvious question is, why? Why would you not just tell him right there and then, Yesh, my people are being killed, and Homan, this man who's at the party, he's responsible. Why not do that at the first party? Why didn't Esther please for their salvation? It seems like an ideal town. In fact, at the first party, I'll give you half my kingdom. The answer is, Homan was happy. He was v'tuvlev. That means Homan was happy and Esther saw that. Esther saw his happiness. The next day, Homan was sad. Because he'd been in the Chatzah Beis HaMelech and his plan to hang Mordechai was subverted. And now he had taken Mordechai that morning around town. And now he's crestfallen at the second party. Aval the Chapui Roshi was crestfallen. And this was, according to Esther, an ideal time to bring about Haman's downfall. During the party now, Esther tells Ahasuerus about his plans and Haman was hanged that day. So, why is it important that the Megillah tells us that Haman laid Mordechai through the streets of Shushan and shouted before him, this is what shall be done to the person who the king desires to honor? Mordechai was wearing the king's clothing whilst riding the king's horse. Why do we need to know that he was wearing the king's clothing? The Tiferes Shloimer of Radomsk says an amazing vote. When Homon leads Mordechai through the streets, people sang and played music before him. This was to make Mordechai happy. Immediately following this episode, Klal Yisrael's salvation and wonderful miracle occurred. The time for salvation had arrived, but there was one ingredient missing that Mordechai did not have. Who gave him the royal clothes? That was the Simcha. The Simcha of the people realizing that Mordechai on that horse was still Tzachachon, Tzabrachon, Tzahagat. He was in sackcloth and ashes in his heart, even though he was wearing royal purpuria, the royal clothing. The Gemara in Megillah says, Mordechai Yodez Kolashen Nase, Vayikra Mordechai is Begodov. 
Vayilbash sak va'efe. He he put on sackcloth and ashes, meaning he dressed in broken clothes. He went out in the middle of the city and cried out bitterly. This is the same Homan. And Esther was upset about this. So she was upset and she sends Mordechai Begadim clothing to dress so he'll take off his sackcloth. He did not accept it. There was a difference in vision about how to approach calamity. Mordechai is, you have to sit on the ground and you have to misabel and you have to feel and, and fasting. That was his approach. And the Tiferis, Shlomo asked, so why did Esther send him clothes? You didn't think he had a credit card to, to, to Neiman Marcus or Saks to buy his own clothes? The Tiferis gives us this amazing psychological insight. The Heiliger Tiferis Shlomo says that Mordechai and Esther were debating there was a difference in vision about how to save Klal Yisrael, how to tweak the divine, how to evoke the divine rachamim, grace, how to annul Homon's decree. Mordechai decided that the direction of crying and mourning, this would rouse Homon's pity and sympathy. Ha! Little it did with Streicher and with all the Nazis, right? Esther maintained that they would accomplish more through joy. I told you once this story that Mengele was standing doing the selectia. One day a cattle car came in with uh, Rebbers from Varsha and they were in their Strimals and Bekishas. They were grabbed on Shabbos and they were put in the cattle car and they get off at Auschwitz on the landing zone and Mengele points to his satraps over there get them over there. He wanted to have entertainment. And so he, he motions to them to start dancing in a circle. And so the Rebbers are broken, you know, three days from Varsha and they hadn't, had nothing to drink and eat and they were barely alive. So they start going around Zerbrochen in a circle. But once they start going around, Mengele goes faster, faster. He wanted to see this Hasidic joy. He wanted to make fun of it with his guards. So they started going faster. As they're going faster, something happened to them. They're, they're in a circle. They're dancing with each other. They know what was happening to them. But they started to doing it on their own, Besimcha. Now Mengele got infuriated. He was enraged that they themselves were actually enjoying themselves. They were feeling the simcha in this hellhole, in the worst pit of history. He became so enraged, he said, straight to the crematoria, no gas chamber for them. And they went singing and dancing into the crematoria. That is what is being talked about here. She sends clothing to Mordechai to employ that Mordechai's approach was the wrong approach. The Tiferes Shlomo writes that Mordechai also knew that joy was essential to Klal Yisrael's salvation. But he felt that you shouldn't begin with joy. You have to start with prayer, crying and shouting, and only afterwards the salvation will come through with joy. 
Similarly, the Chassam Sofer says that Mordechai and Esther were debating whether tears and prayers or joy was needed to annul the evil decree. The last thing before the holy Piasetzna was sent to Treblinka was Simcha's Torah, 1942. By then he had lost his wife and his daughter and his son-in-law. He was alone in the world. It was outlawed to have any kind of base medrash in the Warsaw Ghetto. So a few of his Hasidim came and they were dancing and he was mamish. His tears were pouring. This uh, we heard from an eyewitness who survived the ghetto and came to Eretz Yisrael and writes about the last Simchas Torah by the Piasetzna HaKadosh. And he's going in a circle and he writes his last Torah then about... One has to overcome the sorrow and enter the holy chamber of the Shechina to dance with her. Mordechai wore sackcloth because he wanted to annul the decree with a broken heart and hot tears. And Esther sent him clothes because she wanted to annul the decree through joy. And this is why she arranged for the parties. It had to be with joy. She wanted to annul the harsh decree with joy. She waits for the second party because in the first party, Yamachemo, Hitler and Homan and all of them were happy. So she waits till the second party when she knows they are sad and she can then dance. And Esther's approach, according to Sam Sofer, was correct because the salvation only came after her approach. Okay, so what does this all mean, putting this all together? Mordechai's vision was, I come to the Beistin, to the Sanhedrin. I, I want you to make this a, a, a day of, of celebration. And most of them agree, and some of them don't. Now let's go back to, let's look at the red, the three in red. That represents Mordechai that we say out loud. Now let's look at the parallel verses that we don't say aloud that we should say aloud. And here they are. This has to do with Esther. He was the foster father to Esther, uncle's daughter. The maiden was shapely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordechai adopted her as his own daughter. That's the introduction verse to Esther. Stage two, the regal close. Esther Vatilbash Esther Malchus and stood at the inner court. And she was filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. And finally, and Esther's ordinances validating this observance of Purim was recorded in the scroll. That scroll is the book of Esther. So these are the parallel visions between Mordechai's vision, power, maybe forgetting Divrei Torah as a result and getting criticized by Sanhedrin, and Esther's vision of being Yafastoah, and wearing malchus and going into the party, and her kitvuni ladoros asking Sanhedrin uh, mm -hmm. to write me in for the dorot. Her silent voice isn't mentioned out loud. We don't mention this out loud, and we she gets resistance by the Sanhedrin. So who does it for her? The simcha and the joy reaches Am Yisrael. Am Yisrael accept her and her holiday, and it's her holiday that we accept. So the question is, what is the derech, what is the correct approach uh, to adversity for all of us in our own lives? 
It's the difference between Mordechai and Esther. My initial is to go and, you know, when the, all the Roshi Tevos come knocking at my door, the FDA, the DEA, the IRS, all the Roshi Tevos, is to go and sackcloth and asses and, oh, it's a brochen, it's a brochen. But the challenge, apparently, and I'm quoting the Tiferet Shloma, Chassidah Shereba, and the Chassam Sofer, a very non-Chassidah Shereba uh, rabbi, both of them say that it precisely is the ability to transcend that darkness. As we mentioned last week, in the darkness, she found the inner Vashti. Here too, in the darkness, don't think she didn't know. She also fasted for three days and told everyone to fast for three days. But when the time came, she, like the Rebbe's of Vasha, in a circle, in their strimals in Auschwitz. She, like the Piasetzner in the last days before he was sent to Treblinka, and like all of us, have to find that point of Simcha. Well, the question is, how do you translate that word Simcha? I don't think it's compatible with joy. I don't think that that's what it means. I think it means more like Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman says that that simcha is a paradoxical simcha. Like Simon Weil talks about that. When you're nailed to the cross and there's nowhere to go, then God reaches from beyond time and eternity to take you off and to save you. I think that that's what's going on here. And I would consider that word to be serenity. Once you've done all the hishtadlas and you've gone through all the dark night of the soul with cries and tears. Remember, when we do Tikkun Chatzois, first it's Tikkun Rachel. Rachel is Mavako Albonejo. And then comes Tikkun Leah. On Shabbos Kodesh, we are not allowed to say Tikkun Rachel. We can only say Tikkun Leah at midnight. That Tikkun Leah is the Tikkun of restoration, of Simcha meaning serenity. Once we've worked through the darkness, we come to that point where Esther walks into it without Ruach HaKodesh. Lama, Lama Azavtani, why have you forsaken me? And then takes on her known initiative by finding that point of inner serenity. May we all find the message of the message of Esther versus Mordechai for ourselves, that delicate balance uh, between tears and joy, between sabrochenness and broken-heartedness, and the serenity comes from a broken heart that's filled uh, with surrender in our own lives. Have a wonderful week.